Welcome to the Premium Sermon Podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. We still need to hear his clarion call. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord and commitment, we still need to hear his clarion call. Thanks for supporting World Evangelism with your premium subscription and enjoy today's sermon. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you, choir, for that hard work and uh, that wonderful spirit. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of First Samuel, chapter 22. I want to add my welcome along with the Prescott Church, to all of you who are here tonight in this conference. Uh, we promise you they're going to turn the heaters on tomorrow early. A little minor glitch, but uh, it, it goes. We're going to be good with the rest of the week. God's going to help us in this conference. First Samuel chapter 22. In the church world, much of the church world have uh, come to model the church on a business model. They're actually proclaiming that pastors need to be not pastors, but chief executive officer, uh, uh, chief, chief executive officers. And this business model has uh, began to grip many people who are supposed to be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and they get as the head of this some um, person who is a high-voltage personality, has some uh, per, a public persona that grips people's lives with their performance. And if we're not very careful, we begin to move into uh, what we feel is a pattern for what ministry ought to be about uh, and lead us astray in what God has called us to do. We have a wonderful story. In this text tonight, I just want to use two verses, but the entire story is told in this chapter. And this is a story of a group of men. These men are disheartened. These men are discouraged. Sometimes they're not highly gifted, but these men are transformed into a powerful force for God and transformed into mighty men. First Samuel 22, two verses, if you'll bear with me. I want to preach to you about heroes. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was uh, in distress, Everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. I want to very simply present to you truth here that we have in the scripture. And first of all, that is that if you want to produce disciples that can do work for God, you must first discover their potential. Now think with me for a moment, because there's a lesson that comes in life. Uh, it was Eddie Barreto. He gave me an article out of National Geographic. Very, very interesting, profound uh, 
Revelation. The title of this article is Ratted Out. Some people cringe when they see a rat. These often reviled rodents are uh, being used to locate landmines, some 60 million of which are in the world today, and they're scattered in 69 different countries. Now, rats are very, very interesting creature. This man is named Bert Wiegand. He's a Belgian. He's a product designer, and he devised a way that these reviled creatures could be powerfully used to rat out these landmines. Dogs are often employed to sniff these landmines out. But he says, I knew rats were easier to train who bred them as a boy. In the late 1990s, Weijin chose the African giant pouched rat with its very sensitive nose for Pavlovian training. If the rats scratched the ground when they sniffed TNT, they got a reward. More than 30 trained sniffer rats, also known as hero rats, have started sweeping minefields in Mozambique. My son Greg said, when you give the altar call, ask the folk to raise their paw. Now think about this for a moment. There's a profound truth uh, that is here because here is the one of the most despicable creatures in God's creation. Years ago, I worked in uh, Los Angeles, California as a laundry uh, equipment service man. Many of these laundry rooms were down in the basement of these old buildings. Uh, and many times I flipped the light on as I started into this basement laundry room to make a repair and suddenly saw a creature run down and run down the sewer. There was a rat. Now, can you think about a lifestyle living in a sewer? And yet, this man has discovered the potential that is in these creatures, and as he's discovered something of value, he's discovered that these creatures can be used to save lives. Now, there's a profound understanding that I want to bring to you tonight and a lesson from God. Here are 400 men. The Bible says uh, these 400 men who are of questionable character, verse 2, listen to it, uh, everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him, so he became uh, captain over them. One translation says everyone who was embittered in soul, who was oppressed, who was distressed, had a grievance, or the ill-used, or disenfranchised people, these are the ones that we're looking at tonight. 400 of them gathered themselves to David, and David discovered the potential that was in these men, and he molded and shape them. Listen to me very carefully. There's a profound lesson for you and I uh, in this story that we have before us as we make the application uh, that is there. These men came under discipline. These men came and uh, under David's leadership, they served God. Uh, and uh, the interesting thing that we have here, that when these men were in the field, uh, they were in the place that this wealthy rancher, Nabal, um, 
who was a fool, the Bible says, and they never touched his flocks. They honored. They were under discipline. They had a leader who discovered the potential that was in them, began to mold and shape these men, because you can only imagine these men living in the wilderness and hear flocks and herds before them, but David was able to put in them a character, and it came to the time that he said they never touched a thing that belonged to Nabal. In every creature of God, there's something of value. How much more is this true with human beings? And here is the issue that is before us is to discover the potential. And if we can focus our mind and we can bring ourselves to understand that in every creature of God, there's something of value. Think of that. Here are rats, if you will. And yet something has been discovered by this man of value. He can train them and they can save lives. I want to tell you that if rats are left to themselves, they are not a good creature. We have a generator we bought years ago before electricity was out available here. This 60 kW generator ran the power for this tent. And one conference, we are ready to set this conference up. And the generator won't operate. Uh, and Ike uh, looks inside uh, and rats have eaten all the insulation off the wiring in that generator. If rats are left to themselves, they don't come to any good end. Neither do people. There's a profound lesson that we have. Uh, and there's a deadly danger that we see here. And the, that deadly danger has to do with how we view and how we deal with people, uh, whether we will discover the potential that was in them uh, or we will ignore that uh, because of our own value system uh, or our own uh, tainted uh, valuation. Listen to James 2. This is one of the major problems of the church. My brethren... Do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. James chapter uh, 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 chapter uh, uh, 3, verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, uh, without partiality uh, and without uh, hypocrisy. So here we have in the Word of God a challenge, and that challenge is uh, we must look beyond our own prejudices. Uh, we must look beyond uh, our own personality uh, uh, differences. Uh, we must look at the individual, and we must discover the potential uh, that is within them. Listen to James chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. This wisdom does not descend from above, uh, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, uh, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion uh, and every evil thing uh, is there. What I'm dealing with tonight and talking about is favoritism. Partiality uh, means that you begin to view people uh, and people who are not on your wavelength or people who are not uh, kissing up to you uh, or people who uh, don't you don't really turn on and they're not singing your praises uh, that you're able to work with them uh, and you're able to look and see uh, 
what the potential is there that God has placed uh, because God has placed value in every human being uh, and it's there, but it's your calling and my calling to discover that potential uh, and bring it to the forefront uh, because I want to tell you that if you're partial, this will flavor your evaluation of people. You begin to look with a jaundiced eye and as you begin to look with a jaundiced eye, those who are not uh, your favorites, those who may not be your skin color, those who may not be uh, your uh, social elevation, these uh, who you may disdain and despise, uh, you need to look very carefully upon, uh, my brother, uh, because discovery is our responsibility to discover the potential that is in every human being uh, and work with that. Listen to Paul in the book of 1 Corinthians uh, and chapter 1, 26. Uh, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, uh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, uh, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, uh, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty, uh, and the base things of the world uh, God has chosen, uh, and uh, the despised uh, and the things which are not to bring to nothing uh, the things uh, that are. Probably uh, many of you preachers have preached uh, on the seven uh, uh, foolish things in the Bible that God has used. One of these, uh, the Bible says, is an ox goat. Shamgar took an ox goat and used it as a weapon. The Bible says uh, that there's a jawbone of a donkey. Many of you think you've listened to the jawbone of a donkey many times. Can you say Amen. The Bible says that a tent peg, here's jail, takes a tent peg and nails an enemy to the floor. The Bible says that there is a, a shepherd's staff that Moses held in his hand. The Bible says that there's a sling and a rock that David used. And the Bible says a woman of Thebes used a millstone and God even used a donkey to speak to Balaam. Foolish things of the world. And here we have this text before us, uh, 400 men God lays in David's hand, uh, and those 400 men are going to be shaped, uh, are going to be molded, uh, and released to uh, the purpose of God uh, in their lives. It is a frightening thought tonight uh, to begin to ponder and begin to understand uh, that the people that you despise in your congregation, Pastor, may have been sent by God to release his purpose in their lives and for kingdom ministry. Think with me for a moment. And the second element that is involved here, which is training. Our fellowship is very distinctive. Our fellowship is based on a choice that we made to use a different pathway and a different method to train ministry. That is not from a formal seminary. That was not from a religious education. We deliberately avoided these formal training institutions. This does not mean that our disciples or our pastors are not not educated, but it means there's a different method that we're using, and that method is a method of discipleship. In the book of Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, The Bible says, now when they had seen the boldness of Peter and John 
and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Thank God for that. Can you say amen? Here's a dimension that they immediately saw. They understood that they did not have the formal training that they had. They understood that they did not go through the rabbinical training uh, that they uh, so prized, uh, but they looked at these men and they understood uh, that something was different about them. They had been with Jesus. There was a spiritual dimension that was there, and that spiritual dimension had been released in discipleship. Now look at the text that we have for a moment. Uh, and uh, the text says that here are 400 men, and they're laid in the hands of this man, and God's purpose and eternal kingdom is going to be affected by these men. Discipleship is the methodology of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 28 and verse 19, he says, Go and make disciples. Discipleship is not a program. It is a spirit. These conferences are much more than just simply some services coming together. What we have in these conferences is an impartation of a spirit. And that impartation of a spirit is what we're looking at in this. And truth, as someone has said, is more caught than it is taught. And here we have discipleship in a nutshell. And one of these keys is impartation. Here's David. The Bible says David molded and he shaped these men. He recognized in this group of men, what did we read? Discontented, uh, ill-used, uh, Ill and, uh, and disenfranchised, or whatever word that you want to use. But David saw the potential that was in these men. And as he saw them, while the world may look at them as insignificant people, David saw them as having a potential, and he began to train these men. One of the truths that you need to lock your mind on to is impartation. Jesus is the example that we have. And in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Now, this was going to cost you something. You're not going to be able to make a disciple uh, unless it's going to cost you time. That means that you're going to have to be willing to be accessible to uh, human beings uh, that are open to be shaped and formed by God unless you're willing to put the time uh, and the care and the, inter inter uh, and the interest uh, in another human being. You will never make a disciple. And from these 400 men, the Bible says, came what is known in the Bible as the mighty men. Listen to 2 Samuel 23, 9 and 10. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. 
Now think about this for a moment. Here's three mighty men. The list goes on down in the succeeding verses, and there are 37 other men that are mentioned, and these 37 other men aren't the mighty men, but they rose to a prominence because David shaped and formed them for a purpose. And all of these men, all 400 of them, were heroes, and there's more here than meets the eye. Let's think for a moment about Elisha. Elisha tonight wanted Elijah's spirit. Pastor, lock this into your mind. Here is the story and the record. Elijah is demonstrating God in the generation in which he lived. He had a disciple that his disciple's name was Elisha. And when it came down to the end of the trail, what Elisha wanted was Elijah's spirit. I wonder tonight if you'd ask yourself this question that I'm going to ask you. After men have been with you, and after men have been around you, and have been under ministry under you as a leader, do they still want your spirit? This is a sober question, but it is profound in its ramifications. Not your habits, not your gestures, but do they want your spirit? When they see, because this is what discipleship's all about, when they're with you, they hear your heart, they hear you speak, they see your actions in representing the purposes of God, do they still want your spirit? Because that's going to determine who they're going to be. And the challenge that we have is to put into another person a spiritual dimension and a life force that is going to carry them into an eternal dimension and cause them to make an impact for the kingdom of God. The apostle Paul said, you became followers of me and of the Lord. First of all, you're called to discover the potential in another person. Second, you're called to do a training, uh, and that training is going to uh, to determine uh, where they're going uh, and what they're going to be. Thirdly, uh, I want to talk to you about facilitating uh, this dimension. Here's a tragic dimension that we have to face. Uh, I remember years ago, and uh, I was doing a Bible conference in another nation. You know, many people uh, have learned the technique of parroting. You know what parroting is? Uh, Polly wants a cracker. Polly wants a cracker. That's parroting. Many people have learned uh, discipleship uh, parroting. We're a discipling organization. We're disciples. That's what we are. We make disciples. World evangelism. That's what we do. World evangelism. Polly wants a cracker. Polly wants a cracker. I was in this conference and I was uh, uh, planting in international ministry. And... Uh, nations, uh, uh, churches in that nation, and the man who was to follow me uh, saw the dynamics that were there and saw the finances were raised, uh, and he said to me these words, uh, you can raise a lot of money with world evangelism. I said, well, yes, you can. This man saw the dynamics that were in that conference uh, not as a principle 
a vision to release the potential and facilitate what God wanted to do. But he saw that simply, uh, wow, you can raise a lot of money with word evangelism. That same man, when he would be called for help and assistance by a worker, his standard phrase that he was well known for, uh, no, I'm running really short this month. Uh, I can't do that. He only saw this as a gimmick uh, to exploit people. I want to tell you tonight uh, that God is going to hold us accountable for what we are and what we do. Can you say amen? Look at this principle that is here. Some sadly follow this pattern. I have to confess that. And we have to realize that this is true. But word evangelism and church planting isn't just simply a token thing that you do. It's the heartbeat of the heart of God. It is the heartbeat of this book. And it is the principle whereby we stand or where we fall. This is where the rubber meets the road tonight. Look at this text with me for a moment that I read. Verse 2 says, David became a captain over them. I want you to look carefully at that, at that, at that uh, word. That doesn't simply mean he had some people uh, that he could uh, uh, tell to go do this or to go do that. This has a profound meaning. David became a captain over them. Second Samuel 22, 2, two and, uh, and 3. The Spirit of the Lord, this is what's in the heart of a captain. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me, he who rules over men must be just. He must not be partial. He must not tonight use favoritism. He must not tonight be prejudiced he must be a leader over them uh, that begins to express out uh, what this word really means, a leader, a keeper, a steward. Now, here's a sacred trust uh, that I want to fasten uh, on your mind. Here's David. He has these men with him. One day, you've heard sermons probably about this, or maybe you preach it yourself, uh, one day, he's there in the wilderness, and if you've seen the Judean wilderness, it's a, a, a pretty barren place, looked like a, a lot of it like Arizona. One day, he said, man, I would love to have a drink from that, that well in Bethlehem. And, and, and three of his men heard this, and they said, listen, we, we, we can go, we can, we can slip in there, we can get him uh, some water from Bethlehem. And the Bible says they did this uh, at the great risk of their own life. They slipped into Bethlehem, uh, got him a drink of water, brought it to him and said, Here, David, here's the water for Bethlehem. Uh, and David is stunned by this. Here are these men who have risked their own life uh, simply uh, to bring some kind of pleasure or favor for him. Uh, and he said, I will not drink that water. Uh, and he poured it out uh, I wouldn't drink it because he would not exploit the loyalty uh, of the people who followed him for his own self-gratification. Now listen to me very carefully tonight. We owe our people tonight uh, a priority to facilitate uh, what God has placed within them. Be careful who you disdain. 
they may be the key that would open regions for your ministry. Be careful in your congregation who you look uh, uh, with disdain upon uh, because that may be the very person that God uh, has uh, detailed uh, some facet of their character that will release a key of revival inside your congregation. Uh, and they may not be people that will go out and become great disciples and, and mighty men. But every one of these men that are there are heroes uh, because God has placed in every human being uh, a faculty uh, that he wants you to discover uh, and you to release. We have wonderful ministry in Prescott, Arizona. Some of you are visiting. You've already remarked uh, uh, that you're stunned by all the things that go on here. And I want to tell you that every ministry that is in Prescott, uh, I did not create People have come to me over the years, and they've said to me, Pastor, uh, we, what do you think about this? And I've said to them, give me some details. And, and as they gave me the detail, I said to them, then you do that. I'll facilitate that. What do you need to do that? Every single ministry we have or have had through the years uh, have been people in the congregation uh, that have come to me, whether it's the video ministry, whether it's the tape ministry, whether it's street evangelism with drama, whatever it is, and we have many, many, many ministry, every one of them was not something that I sat down and said, okay, now what can I do? I need some people to get busy here now. Well, let's see, okay, well, let's uh, uh, wash my car. Would you shine my shoes? It's because somebody was stirred by God. And because I was willing to look at and listen to the voice of God and facilitate that ministry, that is your responsibility as a discipler and a disciple maker. And we have to look very carefully at what God's saying to us. Hero rats. Think of that. The most despicable creature that God ever created uh, is a rat, uh, will spend its life in a sewer. And yet God has placed some faculty in this creature if it is discovered and is trained and facilitated can bring forth a tremendous dimension. We are responsible tonight to facilitate those people that God has given to us I know that many people, they look at the uh, disciples that God has brought and it's becoming very common that men will not send out their best people anymore. Every person that we've sent out have been people we have loved to have kept. Uh, they have gifts. They have talent. They have blessing to us. Uh, and yet we have facilitated them uh, because uh, we saw that dimension and we felt our responsibility that God has given to us. Uh, this is especially true. This facilitation is our responsibility to pioneers uh, and to missionaries. Uh, you have in your range, if you have any experienced pastor, you have in your range of uh, people that you can influence, people who can be pioneers. You have people who can be missionaries. Uh, and there's a higher priority, I believe, that comes to, a, to facilitate these people. Listen to Acts 15 and verse 26. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ or have hazarded their lives for our Lord Jesus Christ. 
These who leave our midst and go to be pioneers have a responsibility, and that responsibility rests upon you and I who are in our churches and who are our leaders and who are our pastor. Can you say amen? They've laid their lives on the line. This is what it means to risk your life or uh, hazard your life. Actually, the technical definition of that, uh, give into the hands uh, of another. Here's a sobering dimension, and I conclude. You and I are going to give an account of those who come into our congregation who God has... uh, ministered through the Spirit, and they've laid their lives on the line. We're going to give an account uh, for these people, how we have used these people uh, according to God's purposes. You and I tonight uh, are going to give an account of the resources that have been placed into our hands. Those resources are placed there not for our pleasure, not because we own them. They're placed there because God intends to facilitate uh, what I'm talking about tonight. Uh, And if you have resources, this is what they're for. Both leaders and congregations bear a tremendous responsibility uh, for workers that God has given to us. Uh, These are workers that God has placed uh, And we are not to despise those. We are not to disdain those. Each of them have a potential somewhere in God. Not just to simply come and attend church. And we appreciate everyone who comes and attend church. Each of them have a potential before God. And it's our responsibility to discover that. And to facilitate that. That workers would go into the harvest fields. We have a solemn responsibility. Peter is thrown in jail. What is it, Acts chapter 12, somewhere around there? He's in jail, and the Bible says uh, uh, they didn't just simply say, well, that's too bad, bad luck, buddy. They go to prayer. They feel a responsibility for Peter. Do you feel any responsibility for the workers that you send out? They felt a responsibility. Here's a man that's in prison, and the chances are he's going to pay with his life. And the Bible says he laid his life on the line. They go to prayer and lay hold of God until an angel of God is moved and he's released and come out free. We can go on and on. Resources, the Corinthian church, the Macedonian church, challenged, and that challenge is that they will facilitate uh, what it is that God will do. Bow your heads with me for a moment tonight. Heroes. Every individual sitting in this building tonight uh, has the potential to be a hero for God. Every single member of our church have some faculty, have some dimension that God has placed there for his eternal glory. I believe there are people here tonight. Maybe you came into this service. Your heart is not right with God. I want to tell you there's a wonderful message that we have. That message is that God loves you, cares for you. Jesus Christ died for you. And the Bible says if you will open your heart to the love of God tonight, he made a wonderful provision for you on Calvary's tree. Maybe you're backslidden tonight. Maybe 
you could fit into that category of those 400 men that have been disenfranchised, they've been ill-used, or they've been disappointed, or they're in debt, or they're oppressed, or they're discouraged. Maybe you fit into that category tonight. I want to tell you, God can help you tonight. There's nothing that is about you that God cannot transform and move upon. Just as I change this for a moment, I wonder how many people tonight you'd say, Pastor, my heart is not right. But just in this closing moment, I want to get right with God. I feel the pulse uh, of the Holy Spirit, and I want your prayer. Would you lift your hand and hold it right there where you're sitting? You say, my heart's not right, but I want to get it right, left to right, from front to back, quickly. You'd lift your hand up and say, my, my heart's not right, Pastor, but I want, to, I, want to, I want God to touch me. I want to get right with God tonight. Quickly, lift your hand and hold it there. I'm going to change this in a moment. You want my prayer from left to right. Yes. Keep it up. Anybody else? Honest with God. Yes. Keep it up. Keep it up. The Holy Spirit's tugging at hearts tonight. How many more? Just slip your hand up and say, yes, my heart's not right. You come into this service, backslidden. came into this service, not right with God. Maybe you don't understand what I've said tonight. But you do understand you need God. Put your hand up and hold it right there where you are. Quickly, anyone else? All right, you can put those hands down tonight. Heads are bowed. I want to continue this call tonight. I want to tell you that we have such a wonderful and glorious God. He hates favoritism. He hates prejudice. He hates tribalism. He hates nationalism. He's a God that looks down upon every human being. If a rat has a faculty that can be facilitated and trained, how much more you, who are a precious creation of God, have a potential to be used of God? If you're a pastor here tonight, I pray the Holy Spirit has gripped your heart with an understanding of the revelation of the tremendous value of every woman the tremendous value of every child, the tremendous value of every man that's sitting in your congregation and perhaps those that you despise are the very ones that God wants to release a revival in your church. Bible study leader, one of the earliest lessons you need to learn is the great value and potential that there are in people who the world despises. You see your calling, brethren, how not many mighty, many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I wonder how many sitting here, you be honest with God and say, the Lord's speaking to me tonight, uh, and I've had a wrong attitude about other people in my church. Would you slip your hand up? Pastor, God's dealing with you tonight. You want to repent of your attitude toward those God's given to you. Maybe a member of your congregation, maybe people who are sitting here, you're here a delegate, and you've had a wrong attitude. I want to tell you, God will help you tonight and release in you a dimension of the appreciation of human beings. Anyone else want to lift your hand all over this building? God's dealing with you. Yes, many hands. God's dealing with you. Lift your hand. You want to get right with God. Lift your eyes and look at me tonight. 
You really mean that tonight? You mean that tonight? You mean that tonight? I want you to come out right now. Come found a place to pray. Quickly, come right now, right out while I'm talking. I want some men to come pray a sinner's prayer with these men. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing that chorus on bended knee, I come. Maybe you brought someone with you unsaved. I want you to turn to them. In back- Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.